welcome to the Goddess Mindset Podcast. I'm Jada Capeller, your exercise consistency coach, founder of Jada Fitness, and I'm here to help you create a lasting routine you love so that you can stop starting over. After years of skipping my workouts and never making progress, I've finally learned what it takes to stay consistent. So now I'm here to help you as much as I can. If you're ready to up-level your life, mindset, and exercise routine, you are exactly where you're meant to be. A goddess mindset allows you to take control of your life, embody the gorgeous goddess that's already within, and finally live the life you can't stop thinking about. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Hello, lovely. I am so happy you're here because you are in for a treat. Today, you'll hear from award-winning cookbook author, Melissa Delport, who is from Cape Town in beautiful South Africa, and she has the most empowering perspective on food. And I just know you're going to leave with so many incredible takeaways. And I just pre-ordered her Wholesome Bowls cookbook because now it's getting launched across the UK, USA, and Canada, which you'll hear more about at the end of the episode. And there's also a discount code that you get to use for her cookbook. And I just can't wait. She describes it as the perfect beginner's book for nourishing your body, mind, and soul. And what I love is that it includes all food preferences. So there's meat, there's vegetarian, there's vegan. So there's something for everyone. And I can't wait to try her delicious, but also nourishing meals. And if you share this episode on your Instagram story and tag both me and Melissa, our info, our information will be in the show notes. But if you share it on your Instagram and tag us before Friday, April 24th, 2023, we are choosing one winner to get a free one-on-one consultation call with Melissa, which can truly be life-changing for you. Now, let's get into the episode. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm so excited for today's episode. We are joined by the most incredible, beautiful soul, and you're just going to absolutely love her. We are joined by the lovely Melissa Delport. She's from South Africa in Cape Town. And first off, welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a treat to be doing this with you. I'm so grateful that you're here. So you are a certified nutrition health coach. You are a cookbook author, a retreat facilitator, a private chef, and a professional photographer. Like, I don't know what you don't do. There's just, you do everything. It seems like. Yeah, I am. I'm a very creative person and I decided to wear many hats and I'm just so blessed that I got to connect it all, all these different hats through the common thread that is food. Um, it really sparks joy for me every single day. And I'm just so blessed that I get to do all these wonderful things. Oh, that's so incredible. And you do all of them so well, (laughs) which is incredible. (laughs) So you and I connected actually through Instagram. And when we had our first call, I just knew we connected instantly, just energetically. And it, it also seemed like we shared a lot of the same values when it comes to this holistic health. And you're really big also on prioritizing nutrition to feel our best, right? And your message is just food is medicine. Mm. And mine Mm. is about movement to feel our best, right? 
and the movement's the medicine. And they, the two go so beautifully together. And in fact, the two are essential. They sort of that, that foundation and that building block on which we stand with our health. So when I saw your Instagram, I mean, I feel we connected before we even met. It was just this instant um, sort of connection between what we're doing on opposite sides of the world. So it's just so incredible to be able to be here and actually unpack this beautiful conversation with you. I know. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being here. And I think another big idea that we also share is this idea of the problems within the fitness industry and and the health industry Mm -hmm. and how, how problematic it can be. And it can be really overwhelming and stressful for women on their health journey. Yes, definitely. I mean, it's, I think society, the health industry, a lot of the constructs around us, especially as women, have taught us to not trust our bodies and to not trust ourselves when it comes to our movement, our exercise, how we nourish ourselves. And when that trust gets broken, we can go down such rabbit holes and get lost. And that's where the overwhelm comes and where we actually don't know where to turn anymore. What do I eat? When do I eat? how do I move? Am I doing high intensity? Am I doing low intensity? What's really going on? And I absolutely love the privilege of dispelling some of those myths and really helping women come back home into their bodies and teaching them how to be healthy for their unique bodies and their unique story, because all of us are so individual and going through these crazy lives at our own pace. And I just am very excited to be able to unpack this with you. Oh, that's so beautifully said. And I love how you use the word trusting ourselves because it is, we're Mm. thrown, we're thrown so much information. And like Mm. you said, we go, we go down these rabbit holes and it's so overwhelming and we really do feel so lost. And I've worked with so many women who feel that way. I've personally felt that way before. Mm. So really, really shifting that external focus to internal focus and listening to, okay, what does my body need? Like what what actually feels best for myself, which is really 100%. And it's also a huge part of it is actually not only what does my body need to feel its best, but why am I not giving it to my body? And really starting to look at that emotional space of what happened? Where did we, where did the trust break? What happened? Where did the, the, the internal conversation come that this body that you've got needs to be pulled at, plucked at, the shape needs to be changed, it needs to be better, more or different, you know, and really unpacking that conversation, which is, you know, equally as important as what, what you're choosing to nourish yourself with through your nutrition. So powerful. I love the question you just said, where did the trust break? So even mm. if you leave, even if you leave anything, <laughs> you'll leave with lots from this podcast, but even just that one sentence is so powerful. That one question, where did the trust break? You mm. can really unpack that. That's so powerful. It is. And I think it connects so intrinsically a woman because ugh, I mean, the world we live in, the media, the there's just there's so many aspects. I mean, my generation, we grew up with, you know, cosmopolitan magazines and the models. And it's just yeah. there's been this deep layering over generations of over women of how your body needs to be different and how you need to be a specific size. And I think that that's gotten very lost 
in translation and then all of a sudden ended up in the health and wellness space. And I think that it's very important to sort of separate the two with a fine scalpel and start to understand that being healthy doesn't necessarily mean being thin. And they're not the same thing. And we've, we've got to start separating those and really looking at how can we look after our health and our wellness so that we feel strong and connected to our bodies rather than just skinny to reach a certain size gene and, um, you know, lose the weight. So beautifully said, I cannot agree more. And it's also important when women are setting goals, I find that they reflect on the true purpose of those goals, right? What, mm, the intention. what yeah, absolutely what they really want to achieve. What are those underlining layers? Is it how they want to feel, right? Is it this lifelong change or is it a quick fix, right? Are they going on a beach vacation <laughs> in a few weeks? You know, exactly. so, so something just to bring that mindfulness around, I think is really important. Mm. Mm. And mindful, well, I mean, mindfulness is the way in which I work because if we aren't mindful, then we're having an outer body experience. Being mindful is really being present in this moment here and now as it is and being with yourself here and now in this moment without judgment. And when you're able to do that or, or foster the practice to do so, you come back home into your body. And I think health and wellness, being healthy is the most radical act of self-love. But in order to really take that step of saying, you know what, I am worthy of feeling better, I'm worthy of feeling stronger, I'm worthy of feeling more energized, and that is what I want for myself, that step there, you need to be in your body for. You need to be ready to actually feel the discomfort in this body of what the opposite of being healthy and, and well looks like, which, you know, unfortunately, a lot of my clients come to me from a rock bottom, which is understandable, because we only shift you know, when things are really difficult, we don't shift when things are easy. And um, mm -hmm. I think that when we, when we have these rock bottom moments and this extreme discomfort in our bodies, then often people go, okay, now it's time. Uh, now I'm going to go to the gym. Now I'm going to eat healthy because I don't want to be like this anymore. And, and that step there is really actually coming back home into your body. And that's the mindfulness practice is being able to actually reconnect with your body on that level. Oh, I love that, that reconnecting. And what really stood out to me is you used the term, you said without judgment, right? Because mm. I feel so many women throughout their fitness journey, it's all judgment, right? I'm not doing enough. I, I ate something I didn't want to eat. You know, it's, it's this constant mm. narrative of judgment. So really trying to release that and are there any tips or I guess conversations you have in helping women release that judgment well it's so interesting right because you're not going to punish yourself into healthier decisions and you're not going to beat yourself up into being a better version of yourself because that's really essentially what you're doing when you're going on a health and wellness journey is you're actually embarking on growth you're choosing to grow whether the growth is in I'm learning to get fit or I'm learning to eat healthier or I'm doing some emotional self-work with my therapist, you're choosing growth and growth is going to be uncomfortable. 
people. It's very seldomly not, which it's just part of the package, right? But the the, the interesting thing is that uncomfortability, we, we make it worse for ourselves, especially as women. Um, many women, I think, have been taught to self-loathe rather than I'm going to take this feeling of discomfort to the gym or to a hike or you know, um, do a workout or take it to my yoga class. We, we, we sort of sit with the uncomfortability and then it often manifests in emotional eating, right? So there's, there's this interesting thing is you're already uncomfortable, but then you're beating yourself up about the fact that you're uncomfortable. And that just causes this real hot mess for a lot of women. And I think that the mindfulness practice comes in to be able to realize that you are a human being having a thought you are not your thoughts mm -hmm. so being able to slow down which is the mindfulness work being able to pull yourself present with your breath connecting to your home base allows you the opportunity to observe the thoughts that you are having and if they are what I call stinking thinking if all you're doing is going oh I was supposed to be at the gym today and I wasn't at the gym today and that's not good enough and I ate that extra slice of cake and now I failed so badly it's you know I might as well go completely off the bandwagon and get the fried chips too and you know look at you you're such a loser you got the fried chips if you if you're having that conversation with yourself I think what if I can just encourage any woman out there to, to, to have this aha moment is that you are not those thoughts. You are a human being having those thoughts. And now having those thoughts means that you're practicing them because they've started somewhere. Somewhere along the line, the, the trust broke and you started thinking negative thoughts about yourself and your body and your health and your wellness. And this is for people that are struggling, right? And this is how it works, is that deep-seated belief is just practice thought. So if you keep practicing that you're overweight, that you're unfit, that you can't do this, then what's going to happen is that's going to become stronger. That thought, it's like picking up a dumbbell every single day at the gym. That muscle's going to get stronger because you're practicing. Thoughts are the same. Going to the gym in your mind with stinking thinking and going to gym with your body, it's the same thing. Something's going to get stronger. So, but this is the beautiful moments about mindfulness practice is that if you can see yourself having the thought of negativity about whatever it may be, and you can find acceptance that you're not going to punish yourself into healthier behavior. If you can see that moment in time, then aware, you'll become aware of the fact that you're having a negative thought. And if you can become aware of the negative thought, then you can choice because awareness is the birthplace and choice is the pivot point. And that's where the opportunity opens up. That if you, for example, a lot of my, my clients do this, they will have, we all do it as women. We look in the mirror and we nitpick at our bodies. And then you find something that's not good enough in your body and you leave the mirror. And you go on with your day having shouted at yourself that your thighs aren't the shape that you want them to be or think they should be. And then what starts to happen is every time you leave a mirror, you're just insulting yourself. And we practice that. And I think that, you know, the redirection of the negative thinking comes into the space of being able to go, right, I can see myself having the thought and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to catch myself there. I'm going to catch myself in that moment. And instead of going, oh, look at your silly thighs, you know, I don't like the shape of them. I'm going to go, hey girl, you got this beautiful eyelashes. Your eyes are looking clear and sparkly. 
and you're doing the best that you can and I'm proud of you. And you hold yourself in the mirror for two seconds, just looking at yourself and actually celebrating yourself and you walk away from the mirror. Now in the beginning, it's gonna feel awfully uncomfortable and I'm sure that there's gonna be many people listening out there that might even feel triggered in their body just with the, the thought of looking in the mirror and actually celebrating yourself. But the beautiful thing is it's kind of this fake until you make it relationship. And the more you practice that thought, the stronger it becomes. The more you practice a thought, the more it becomes a deep-seated belief. So you're actually countering your negative mindset with this positive mindset that will become stronger over time if you practice it. Absolutely. So beautifully said. And I love the awareness part. I always share that with my clients too. Awareness is that first step. We need to be mindful of, of our patterns and what they are in order to create those shape, those shifts that we need and, and really understand what it is we need, uh, in, during that time. So I also, I also would love for you to share your story with us because you have the most beautiful story and I know that it's going to resonate with so many, so many women, so many listeners. So do you mind sharing your story with us? I'd absolutely love to. I, I, I absolutely love it because this is, I'm such a big believer in women standing together and I'm such a big believer in women supporting each other. And um, I think that we've been put it against each other for many, many generations. And it's time that women start speaking the truth, even if their voice shakes, because the more we speak up about our stories and take the risk for that beautiful vulnerability, the more we can create a moment that might shine light into somebody else's darkness. So I share my story with, with such enthusiasm and compassion for any woman out there that might have gone through anything remotely similar. But um, basically, and, and I'll start at the beginning, because we've got some time on the podcast, which is such a treat, is that I was a very skinny child and my parents were, you know, doing the best that they can with the information that they had. And they just, when I hit puberty, my body expanded and my parents went into this, oh my gosh, she's overweight. We've got to get her onto a diet. And that was the first time I did a, a diet. I was 11 years old. It was actually Atkins at the time. And I lost weight on the diet, of course, because I was cutting out entire food groups on my developing body, which I now know. But back then, you know, my parents did the best with what they had. And I did this diet and it just set me off for the next 15 years of my life of really having a difficult relationship with my body where it never felt good enough. I always felt overweight. I was always crash dieting. My body would pick up weight. It would lose weight. It was just such inconsistency in, in the shape of my body. And I, gosh, I ended up doing Atkins, Banting, Weightless, Shursome, Slender Wonder. I did the Ducan diet. I did the speed pills in my 20s. I did the injections in my 20s. If there was a diet that was recommended, I, I leaned in and I tried it because there was this constant push that my body had to be a certain shape. I think that was a perfect storm. I grew up with a generation of Britney Spears and all her power, which was absolutely gorgeous, but you know, she had a certain shape body. And if you didn't have that shape body, then your body felt like it wasn't the right shape. 
and I grew up with a generation of you know cosmopolitan magazines and you know going through and looking at all these beautiful models in the magazines and and being so hyper aware that I didn't look like that, that my body wasn't that same shape. And all of a sudden what started to happen was my body became an apology. And it really set me up for this, this challenging, toxic relationship with food. But then in duality, what also happened at the same time as I was actually in the fashion industry, which also compounded the problem, of course. Um, and I was a, a makeup artist and a photographer and, my partner, I was an avid home cook, and my partner insisted that I enter MasterChef South Africa, and I did, and I had my five seconds of fame, which was absolutely lovely, and I had so much fun on the show, and when I exited the show, I had an exit interview, and the, the gentleman said to me, so what are you going to do now? And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to photograph food. I'm just, I love food and I'm a great photographer and I'm going to try and photograph food instead of models. I'm, I'm done photographing models. And I did, and it just went so well. Um, I started picking up great local clients. I started shooting for magazines and I just fell so in love with food and everybody fell in love with the food images that I was creating. I then also started food styling and really just spending hours with my camera and creating these beautiful dishes and photographing them. And then I started my food blog at the time and the food blog took off and my social media took off and everybody was celebrating what I was creating around food, which created this huge duality for me because everybody wanted to see more food from me, but I was having panic attacks being around food because I didn't know what to eat, when to eat, how to eat. Do you cut the carb? Are you low carb? Are you no fat? Are you high fat? Are you no sugar? You know, are you eating the sweet? No, you're not eating the sweet. Uh, it, it was just such a mess. And I just hit this rock bottom, Jada, one day. And, and, and that, you know, there's a gift in desperation and there's a gift in rock bottom. And for me, it was actually a complete breakdown around a poke bowl that I had gotten. I've gotten a takeaway because I was wanting to make the healthier decision of rice and some fresh fish and avocado and you know edamame beans and I thought oh I'm making a better decision but when I ate it I didn't feel good and it just sent me reeling into tears and my partner came home and going what is going on and I just said to her I just I can't do this anymore I I feel like food has become the enemy and I feel like my body, the war zone for this, this battle that I'm fighting and I don't want to do it anymore. So through that, I just started going down the rabbit hole that is the internet. I just reached for the gift that is the connectivity that we can have of, you know, me finding you and you finding me all the way on the other side of the planet. And I, I just went down this rabbit hole of research finding out about, you know, what food is actually good for you? What actually do we need in our bodies? And started discovering just all these different uh, ways of eating. And I started doing what I was, what, what I found aligned for me in my body, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And I just started eating this new way of, of being, which was to connect with real whole food. God-made food, earth-made food, universe-made food, less meat, more plants, stop eating too much, slow down with your food, become mindful around your food, 
connect with it, chew it, appreciate it, and see what happens. And then I discovered mindful eating and I just went down the rabbit hole. And the more information I discovered, the more I tried it on my own body. I also layered on top of this, had polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a disease affecting one in eight women of childbearing age and very commonly, and I believe too commonly diagnosed and standard prescription is oral contraceptive. I was diagnosed when I was 17 years old. So by the time I was 29, it had been a decent amount of time that I had been taking oral contraceptive. And I not only had the oral contraceptive, but they also put me onto Androco and Glucophage, which is for pre-diabetics. And I was on Roaccutan for hormonal acne. And I was just, every time there was a problem, the doctors had a tablet. And I wasn't feeling better. I was feeling worse. I wasn't feeling less pre-diabetic. I wasn't feeling, you know, my periods weren't more, um, you know, obviously the, the, the pill stabilizes your menstrual cycle and you can know when you're getting it. But it just felt so, I felt so disconnected from my body as a woman. And I felt so um, controlled by these tablets and that if I didn't have them, my life was going to fall apart. My health was going to fall apart, which was ironic because it was falling apart and it felt that way. So it was just this extreme rock, perfect storm, really. I don't know what else to call it other than the perfect storm of my health sort of being a mess, my eating being a mess, and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I discovered um, mindful eating. I discovered also, she's an American woman, Elisa Vitti. She wrote The Woman Code. And I discovered her blog and went on podcasts of, you can eat right to balance your hormones. You can heal your hormonal health through food. And when I found that out, it was honestly like the angels were singing. I just, I had to try it because I was so done feeling the way that I was feeling. My energy levels were low. I had brain fog. I had fatigue. I didn't want to get out of bed. I was significantly more overweight. I had, you know, hormonal acne. My skin wasn't great. So I just, I had to try it. And I always say this to my clients is that the thing is these diseases and these problems come at us at a hundred percent. And when they're coming at us at a hundred percent, you've got to give a hundred percent back if you want to heal it, especially holistically, you know, you can't do it at 50% and, and, and expect to see spectacular results. And like I said, it was the gift of desperation that I just discovered all these resources um, and went down the rabbit hole and started implementing them on my own body. And as I did, I started feeling better. And as I did, the weight started melting off me. And as I did, my menstrual cycle stabilized. I took myself off the oral contraceptive and I started saying no to all the different food that I was getting uh, that, that wasn't good for me because I wasn't feeling well. It had absolutely nothing to do excuse my dogs in the background but it had absolutely nothing to do with being able to um lose weight the shift happened in my breakdown that thin and healthy are not the same thing and if I endeavored to get healthy if I wanted to heal this hormonal imbalance my blood sugar levels get a healthy liver then what would happen to the weight and I went down the rabbit hole and then started writing recipes around it because the way that I was eating 
was making me feel better and more energized and my skin cleared up my eyes became brighter I had this abundance of energy that I'd wake up with in the morning and I was it, it blew my mind I couldn't actually comprehend that this was possible through shifting my nutrition and my movement and that's how my first book was actually born and um, the book that, that that we're going to discuss later on those recipes really were my heart on my sleeve of my healing journey um and then subsequently wrote my second book and it completely changed my life I'm happier and healthier than I've ever been I'm off all of my medication I'm also 25 kilograms um lighter I love movement now I move all the time um in such a gentle loving way to support my body and I've managed through the years, which we'll definitely also unpack, I'm sure, to shift this mindset around food and to really heal my relationship with myself, first and foremost, but then to really heal my relationship with food. And that that just blew my world wide open. And I, I had to build a career out of it, which I've now done because I feel it's my purpose to be able to share this with women that you don't need to be counting calories and obsessing over food and stressing about food if you are following, you know, this basic structure that, that I speak about in the books. So incredible. I'm always, I could just listen to you talk forever, honestly, <laughs> but you have. <laughs> I such, could talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> you have such an incredibly powerful story. So thank you for sharing all that and unpacking that, that journey mm. of, of so many emotions, I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. And, and what I love is that food, food became not only your medicine, but also giving you back your control that it, it seemed that it was lost for so long. Mm. Exactly. Right. Well, food energetically, and that, that, that is another rabbit hole that I went down is that food energetically offers you something. There's a reason why they call it high vibrational eating. Because when you're eating more real whole plants, especially, you're eating clean vibration. You start to feel that vibration energetically in your body. You start to feel better from it. So when I just, you know, I didn't grow up with people speaking about high vibe food or, you know, green matcha smoothies. It wasn't, it wasn't a conversation in, in, in my household growing up. So when I discovered it, I was like, I had to go experiment with it. And I think that, that therein was the, the value key for me is that once you try it on your own body and you feel what it feels like to have the light pour out of you rather than the heaviness, you, you, you're going to want more of it. And then you, you're not going to want to stop there. What a beautiful description. I love the, the idea of high vibe food and high vibe energy. And it just gives you such a beautiful perspective on food. So, and you might've covered this a bit also in your story, but what did you used to believe about food specifically? And what, how does it contrast with how you believe about, or what you believe about food currently today? Mm. I love this question. It's such a great question. Um, what I used to believe about food is that food was the enemy. Food needed to be controlled, restricted. Food needed to be less, not abundant. It needed to be monitored. And it was what was either going to give me thin and happy and success or make me fat, overweight, and a loser. 
it was that black and white to me. And it really, I mean, it causes debilitating anxiety, right? Because there is going to come a time in your life where you're going to be at your friend's house. She's going to have cake and, and, and bubbles and you're going to want to celebrate her birthday and to be in debilitating anxiety, or even if it's not debilitating anxiety, even if it is just a negative self-conversation of why did you eat two slices of cake? Being in that space with food stopped making sense to me. So what I used to believe is that it needed to be controlled and restricted. Um, and now what I believe is that it's joy. It's absolute happiness. You know, it's abundant. It needs to be abundant. It needs to be love. It's the ultimate manifestation of love. The energy you put into your food when you're cooking is the energy that you're putting back into your body. This is why, you know, if you are getting takeout, even if it's a healthy takeout, which is better than an unhealthy takeout, but if you're getting healthy takeout and the chef is having a bad day and he's getting minimum wage and he's just slapped your salad together, that's the energy you're putting into your body versus you actually being in your kitchen and mindfully beautifully preparing a meal for yourself because you are worthy of good quality food that is abundant and will make you feel energized and nourished it, it, it's a complete contrast so the, the journey has been so beautiful because and the books on ultimate celebration of that is being able to to look at food now and say it's not the enemy it's actually the medicine it's the prescription of what's going to make me feel well you know if we just look at your serotonin and your gut, you know, we know now that the gut is the second powerhouse of the body. In fact, uh, the first brain, in my opinion, rather than the, the second, but we know that 90% of your serotonin is created in your gut. So, so good gut health is really of utmost importance if you want to be a happy human being. And not on prescription medications, because I think that the other thing that's very easily prescribed is SSRIs have a Xanax, get over it, right? But it doesn't, nobody's asking you while they're prescribing you your, your SSRIs or your Xanax, what are you actually nutritionally eating? And are you eating an abundance of fresh vegetables and fruit because, and dark leafy greens and whole grains and healthy fats because these are the building blocks in which your body needs to function. Nobody's asking that, but they're so willing to prescribe the, the medication and the medication has its own side effects and can make you sick with something else so food became the medicine for me it became the solution it became a thing to celebrate because the more I ate the more the, and the more variety you eat the more you're going to heal your gut you know if you look at all the different colors of vegetables um eggplants to red peppers yellow peppers cucumbers butternuts corn you've got all these beautiful colors and if you eat the rainbow through all these beautiful foods, they're going to offer your body different macro and micronutrients. So if you're constantly focusing on eating a beautiful variety and abundance, your body's actually going to feel better. And when your body feels better, it becomes in balance. And when it's in balance, it will lose the weight because an imbalanced body is in balance. Overweight or underweight isn't in balance. So I believe in this giving the body what it needs to optimally function and allowing it to calibrate where it needs to, not based off what somebody else put a measuring tape around your waist and said, oh, you know, and of course, you know, uh, uh, we know that belly fat can cause a lot of health problems if we aren't looking after our health. So that is, that is a separate topic. But there's also the, the topic of, oh, I need to be in a size 10 and I need to be five, 
kilograms lighter. And you're going, well, but says who? What if your body just actually lives at a size 12? Can you love it there? Or can you only love it when it's a size 10? And, and, and that's what the, the big shift was about, is that food is the, the medicine, it's the abundance, and it's what's going to help your body be in balance. Food is abundance. I absolutely love that, especially taking away this idea that food is the enemy for so long. And even just listening to you, I connected in so many ways with how I used to feel about movement, right? There's this narrative that no pain, no gain, and we need to <laughs> struggle our way through exercise and we need to kill ourselves every workout and be in excruciating pain, right? So that. I just totally connect with this idea of movement once being the enemy. And now it, it is just pure love and, and pure happiness. So, so beautifully and said. I, and I completely agree with that because, you know, it's such a masculine way of being. And I'm sure, you know, you, you have men that come to you for movement as well, but my, my, my base is very woman strong. And there's this interesting thing of why are we moving and eating and being in the way that the masculine has prescribed, when did that happen? Why are we not moving and eating and being for the way that we are as women? The way that I'm needing to eat and be and move, it's gonna be very different when I'm menstruating to when I'm ovulating. When I'm menstruating, I wanna go slow, maybe you know, low intensity, a yin yoga class, a beautiful walk. I wanna be eating healthy fats. I wanna be eating you know, good quality proteins to really give my body back what it's losing. Versus when I'm ovulating, I'm feeling high energy. I want to do a cardio class. I want to go, you know, really build up a sweat. I'm eating raw veg. I'm feeling in my power. I'm feeling a lot more dynamic than when I'm menstruating. And it's such an obvious conversation when I have it out loud. And I'm sure there's going to be many women going, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. But the interesting thing is that diet culture never tapped into that, right? And then all of a sudden, we were just going, oh, my gosh, carbohydrates are bad. It's like... That, that makes absolutely no sense because the complex carbohydrates is what feeds your brain once it's digested in your body into glucose. So there's this really interesting masculine way that I think has bled into the way the feminine, feminine needs to move and nourish itself. Wow, I completely agree. And it's really interesting too. I'm sure you could could give so many different examples. And when you unpack different areas of the fitness industry that are so heavily masculine mm, exactly that's where the whole concept of no pain no gain comes from no no woman was standing on the sidelines shouting that at each other <laughs> you know it, and 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 it, and it has its place this is the beautiful thing right it has its place there's going to be days where you're going to have to need to really commit to yourself and your consistency and your movement or really commit to yourself and getting up and going into the kitchen and cooking yourself something delicious that is the masculine that resides within the feminine that masculine is what we want to tap into to be able to get up and go and do and commit. That is beautiful. But I think that there's this delicate dance between that of also slowing down, being more compassionate to yourself, celebrating yourself, you know, celebrating your curves and, and really nourishing your body in a different way than what the masculine would. Absolutely. I completely agree. So, and which are there specific actions that you have taken that have really helped create this healthier relationship with food? Are there any specific steps you can think of that have really helped you? 
Yeah, so from my side, I and all the research I did and, and, and obviously furthering later on my studies after the second book, I studied with the integrative um, the School of Integrative Nutrition in New York. And I, I really went through all these dietary theories and obviously had gone through so many myself. And I landed on, on this to be true. Excess processed gluten isn't great for you. It causes inflammation and that inflammation can really damage your gut lining and sort of quite a ricochet in your body. Um, excess dairy, especially commercialized dairy, isn't good for you. It's got artificial hormones in the dairy industry is not necessarily a very great one for the animal. And I believe that you're also having those energetics within your what you're consuming right so and, and I think that the reality is there the awareness is there I, I would like to think and if we don't know it there's a lot of artificial hormones as well in the dairy in the commercial dairy industry that really impact women and their hormonal health and um so gluten dairy alcohol I'm exceptionally mindful of it it's not a high vibrational product unfortunately it's so easily accessible and legal across the world and I think that there has to be the reality check and of how, what is my intention behind using the alcohol and how often am I drinking? Because whether you like it or not, when you drink a lot, you become intoxicated because it is a toxin. So if you're drinking regularly, you are putting toxins into your body and your body's going to suffer for it, right? So being exceptionally mindful on alcohol, so gluten, caffeine, dairy, alcohol, and sugar. So, you know, between the caffeine and the sugar, a lot of people that have this attitude of no pain, no gain, work hard, more, 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 push harder, put on your big girl pants. You know, we get into such stressful existences because we don't manage our stress and it ricochets in our lack of sleep. Therefore, we want more coffee or sugar cravings. But those are really what I call my big five liver loaders your alcohol, caffeine, gluten, dairy, sugar. Those are the foods I'm very mindful of. I have in moderation. And if I'm having dairy, I'm sourcing good quality, organic, small scale farmer dairy, um, you know, maybe a bit of yogurt or a little bit of um, feta or ricotta cheese, right? So the white cheeses, the yellow cheeses, I don't recommend going near because they are filled with casein, which is, is as addictive as heroin. So there's really the industrialization of food was the next thing that I, I came across. And I'd really recommend bringing awareness around is that if it is made in a factory and it comes in a packet with a label that is either making a health claim or they don't even bother, I would really question that product because and the apple doesn't scream out, I'm 20 calories and five kilojoules and less than 3% fat and high in vitamin D. And the apple is just an apple. Whereas, you know, a lot of these boxes and products and packets have all these claims on them. And that's where you've really got a question because the people that are making the food are interested in the one thing and one thing alone, and that's making money. And they make money by making food addictive and cheap. And they do that with chemicals. And this is where people get so lost in the translation. And it's understandable is that we've got so caught up counting calories that we forgot to count the chemicals. And the way in which I work and what I know to be true is that when you eradicate the E numbers, the nasty chemicals, the, all these uh, stabilizers, emulsifiers, when you read ingredients, not the, the nutritional square at the back of a pack, but when you read ingredients, read what is making the food that you are eating. 
And when you start to read that, you'll get quite a fright. There's going to be things you can't even pronounce. And my, my question in that is then if you can't even pronounce it, what is it doing in your body? And if you don't know, why are you eating it? So the way in which I approach food is obviously to read your ingredients, become mindful of those five sort of nasties. But then the way in which I work with food and the way which I discovered is that the diets had always told me what not to eat. Don't eat the carb, don't eat the sugar, don't eat the fat, eat the fat, whatever, whatever it was, you know, count the calorie, only 500, don't go 600, you know, whatever it was, that it put quite a negative feedback loop. And I see that a lot with my clients is that we focus so hard on what we can't eat that we forget that we can focus on what we can eat. And one feedback loop is a lot more pleasant than the other. The can't involves, why did you eat that? You shouldn't have eaten that. The self-loathing, the berating yourself, the avoiding that aisle in the shop, the not being able to resist the packet, buying the packet, eating the packet, and being upset with yourself that you ate the packet. It's a whole thing. The other feedback loop that becomes available is that if I focus on what I can eat, I start to look at beautiful abundance of vegetables. There's not a vegetable under the sun that I wouldn't recommend you can eat unless you're allergic to it. But if it works for your body and your constitution, you know, you can try so many different ways of cooking it, raw, roasting, sauteing, you know, uh, uh, really shove it in the air fryer. Find a way that you're enjoying that vegetable. It's high in fiber. It's got vitamins. It's got macro and micronutrients. It's, it, it's good for you. Your body is this ancient primal machine that was designed to eat real whole made food. Your body was not designed to eat something in a packet with five different chemicals in it. It doesn't know how to digest it. It causes inflammation. So avoiding the, the feedback loop of what I couldn't eat, I focused on what I could eat, which is all whole vegetables, real fruit, being mindful that, of course, fruit is a sugar. You know, a lot of diets will say don't eat fruit. It's a lot of sugar, okay? But it's also fiber, vitamins, and minerals. So it's not a Twinkie bar or a Twix bar. It's not the same thing. You can't compare an apple and a nachi or an orange or a mango to a chocolate. It's, they're both sugar, but they're not the same thing. And I hope it's quite obvious when I say it out loud. So focusing on, you know, all the fresh fruits, but being mindful to not eat them later on in the day because they are energy. Unless you're going to go do a workout, have some beautiful fruits and go do a workout. Use that, that beautiful energy that the food's going to give you to move your body. Um, you know, but eating a bowl full of fruit just before bed, your body's not going to use the energy. It's, it's a logical thing, not an emotional thing, which is also great, right? So focusing fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, whole grains. We don't eat enough whole grains in our diet. We eat a lot of white processed grains, processed pastas, white rices um, that have really gone through the mill on their processing and have lost a lot of their nutritional value. You know, if you compare a white rice to a brown rice, a brown rice is high in vitamin B, it's high in fiber. It's quite literally a happy food. And for many constitutions, if you chew the rice, it actually release, you actually become happier. It, release endorph it releases endorphins because endorphins are released when you chew good quality food that crunches, right? So whole grains, I include them in the diet. I include healthy fats, avocados, nuts, seeds. I often make myself a lot of hummus. And um, these are really so essential for hormonal health, especially for women. You know, having an avocado or half an avocado a day 
absolutely invite it and welcome it, enjoy it. I put them in my smoothies, my salads. So, so started eating healthy fats, hydrating regularly and making sure that everything that I was having was really moving away from diet sodas that weren't good for me. Um, you know, any sodas, artificial fruit juices, a lot of fruit juices aren't real fruit juices. They reconstituted fruit juices, which means they're exceptionally high in sugar. And in being high in sugar, they um, cause your insulin to spike. And the more they cause your insulin to spike, the, the, the more you're going to get hungry when you're, you're, your sugar, your blood sugar crashes, right? So it causes this ricochet of eating, not eating, you know, eating too much and all constantly snacking and never getting full is often happens with these empty calories that we can consume. And then obviously um, adding protein into the diet. And a lot of people say, oh, Mel, we think that you are, you know, vegan or vegetarian. And the truth of the matter is I eat meat. I don't um, not eat meat. I do. I eat animal protein, but I'm highly selective of where my animal protein comes from. I know two local butchers that ethically raise their animals free range, grass fed. And um, when I can, I buy meat from them. When I can't, I only eat vegetables and, and eat more of them. And then the final thing that, so when it comes to protein, my recommendation is really, and I found this uh, with myself, is that rather than a meat-free Monday, Focus on the quality of where your meat is coming from. Mass production and free range cannot go hand in hand. And it's time that we catch a wake up by consuming animal protein. What is it impacting in our environment and our planet? And I think that it's time that we start getting real with ourselves around that. And if you choose to eat protein, that's your choice. Just try and make it more ethical. It's the same with the dairy. Rather than just mass store-bought dairy products, Go and find a local farmer that's actually looking after their animals and creating beautiful handmade cheeses. It's a completely different energetic that goes into your food, right? So when it comes to protein, animal protein, you know, um, whatever you choose to eat, that, that that's so personal. And then obviously plant-based protein, more chickpeas, more lentils, more um, quinoa, chia seeds, temper, tofu, and all these really beautiful things. And what, what starts to form, and I'm sure as I'm talking, this beautiful picture of all these abundant foods that you can eat. Um, and that's really the focus point is that you're putting yourself into a positive feedback loop of being able to eat these incredible foods without the guilt. And then the final thing that I insist everybody um, really invite more into their lives, and I did in a changed mind, is dark leafy greens. You know, kale, baby spinach, rocket, watercress. These are all beautiful dark leafy greens, coriander that help heal the gut they help our uh, uh, hormonal levels they clear out skin they clear out toxins they're so powerful that there's studies that have been done that when you're chewing dark leafy greens there's a and your saliva combines with the chemical the, the food that is being chewed there's actually a chemical compound that is released and if you take that chemical compound and you drop it into a petri dish with cancer cells it will destroy the cancer cells. That is how powerful dark leafy greens are. So when I changed my way of eating, I invited in a lot more dark leafy greens, a handful of spinach with everything. You're making some scrambled eggs, you know, throw in a handful of spinach, you're making a sandwich, add some lettuce, tomato, cucumber, carrots, you know, and really bulk it up with these, these good uh, high fiber foods. And yeah, that is the, the premises on which I started eating and the premises in which I 
discovered that food becomes the medicine is avoiding these five nasties and really focusing on bringing this abundance in and like I said earlier you start to see this beautiful picture develop of wow when I walk into the grocery store I don't have to feel anxious that I can't go down aisle four where all the chocolates are but I can walk to the fresh fruit section and pick anything I want and it's going to be good for my body and really allow my creativity and my abundance to come into that space now the reality is that and it's actually an American journalist, so I'm sure you're familiar with Michael Pollan, as he says, eat real food, mostly plants, but not too much. And the not too much part really ties into the mindful eating is that now that you've got this beautiful picture of abundance that you can eat, you want to be looking at how am I eating it? Am I slowing down with my food? Or am I eating it in front of the television without even noticing how quickly I consume it? Am I chewing my food? You know, chewing actually stimulates your digestive juices and gets your stomach going ready to receive the food. A lot of people say you are what you eat. I believe that you are what you absorb. And if you're not absorbing the nutrition, then that's going to be a problem. So chewing your food is part of the, the digestive process. So really chew, chew, chew your food and slow down with it. And also to give gratitude to it. I think that we can often just get caught up and we know where our next meal is coming from and that's just how we operate and there's many in this world that have no idea where their next meal is coming from so really having an abundant beautiful plate of food in front of you is a blessing and whichever deity or whatever you celebrate you want to give thanks to but just a moment in time to go I appreciate this this is a gift this is actually a gift to have a full plate of food in front of me and I'm going to enjoy it slowly and mindfully and I'm going to connect with it and chew it and what happens is the body then starts to speak to you is that when you bring these beautiful foods in and you clear the nasties out and you do so with love and compassion to yourself no i'm on the off i'm on or off the bandwagon thinking then what starts to happen is you can start to operate from intuition around food and that was really what opened up for me in the in, in the space of nutrition is going that i can i can actually come home into my body and trust myself that if I am craving something, it's because my body is speaking to me and I'm here to listen because I want it to grow old and not get old. I want my body to, to be here for me. I want to be able to be strong and connected to my body. So can I tune in enough to give it exactly what it wants? And more often than not, you'll see your, your, your body doesn't want the, the big gulp seven up and the burger with the processed cheese. It, it doesn't, you don't feel great afterwards. You actually feel sluggish and heavy, maybe indigestion, heartburn. These are all symptoms of low vibrational food. You don't feel energized, which you should because food is fuel. Food is just fuel for your body to function. If you're giving your body good quality fuel, you're going to have good quality energy. So if you're not having good quality energy, you can really get curious around what am I, what am I fueling my body with? Yeah, I can really connect with that too just asking myself the question, how am I going to feel after eating this? And a lot of the time mm. I will, I will make a different decision because I know, or I, I'm just so mindful if I eat something and, and I instantly know, notice my energy is just gone. Right. Or I want to lay down and have a nap, mm. you know, mm. so, so many beautiful takeaways that you just shared. And I love the reminder of just giving thanks and, and slowing down and, and really being mindful 
while eating, because I, I too, I'm sure some of the listeners have, have eaten in front of the TV before. Right. And we're just mindlessly consuming. Mm. And then the bowl is empty right <laughs> before we mm. know it. And I just love exactly. that. Exactly. And you brought that up. Yeah. And then you don't even realize when you're full and then you only realize when you're overly full and that's an uncomfortable feeling and eating yourself into uncomfortability is not an act of self-love either. And a question I get asked all of the time is, and as a nutrition coach, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. What are your views on counting calories and tracking macros? Cause that's really what the health and fitness industry is really saturated with. And it can be, I think, overwhelming for a lot of women. So I'd love to hear your take on that. It's such an interesting topic because I think that, you know, bringing your awareness into the actual quality of food that you're eating is a very good thing and a very important thing in reconnecting to your health and wellness. I think the duality of that is that when you're looking at counting calories, you're still placing this external control on your food. And I think that that could be very triggering for a lot of women. And I think that the reality is, is that it's not as simple as calories in, calories out. If it was that simple, we wouldn't have an obesity epidemic. I think that the the counting the calories causes this black and white thinking of I'm succeeding or I'm failing. And the problem is, is the minute that you're succeeding or failing, food becomes a reward or a punishment. You either succeeded and you nailed it or you didn't. And if you didn't, then it depends. Are you going to emotionally eat it? Or are you going to restrict more? So it still remains in the space of diet culture. You know, any prescriptive diet where it is placing the trust outside of yourself to me doesn't make sense. What makes more sense is to foster the connection with your body, eating the real whole foods, tapping into when you are full, stopping when you are, and eating better quality food. You know, the the reality is, and I see it with a lot of my clients, is that they spend their lives on what I call the Monday diet. You have all this intention that on Monday you're going to start your diet, you're going to start counting your calories, you're going to not eat the process something what that you've promised yourself and then you know you do your best but the human nature is that what I take away from you you're going to want what I tell you you can't do you're going to want to lean into that's just how we are by design so I've taken this food away from you you're restricting it away from you all you're going to do is think about it and by Monday you start the diet by Tuesday Wednesday it's going strong but by Thursday somebody's going to bring cake into the office and you're going to be able to see that person having the cake and then the, the side of your brain's going to win that's going to want the cake and then when you have the cake you're going to berate yourself because you didn't stick to the calorie or to the the diet or you you have failed is what then becomes the outcome. And if you fail, then you might as well be off this proverbial bandwagon and then you're going to eat more anyways and then you're going to kind of let it all go, uh, it become a hot mess until Sunday. And then on Sunday you go, no, enough of this. I'm From Monday, I'm not going to eat any of that. And I think that most women spend their life on the Monday diet and it doesn't work. So I think that, you know, it is good to become mindful of the amount that you consume because consuming less is good for you. You know, eating mindfully more real whole foods is good for you. You know, eating in excess isn't good for you. And that's logical when I say it out loud. And I don't think you need an app to tell you that. I think that you can trust yourself enough to, to decide that. And if you can't trust yourself, which 
can happen if you are very far down the rabbit hole on being disconnected to your health. You know, when you are in the space of being obese and you're not sure what to be eating. I think that if you focus on what you can eat and you eat more of what you can eat, it will naturally crowd out the garbage and eating too much. There's only so many lentils you can eat. If I put a bowl of lentils in front of you and you eat it and chew it and enjoy it, and it's a beautiful lentil curry, for example, if you if you eat that, you're going to be full. And when you're full, you don't crave a pizza. It's just It just naturally happens. So I think that if you look at that whole energetic lineup, I think ca- counting calories just taps into a different form of dieting, a different form of you can't trust your body. You've got to monitor what you're putting in your mouth every step of the way. And I think that that, that monitoring attitude feeds anxiety and anxiety shuts down your body and your nervous system and releases cortisol and cortisol makes you hold on to weight and makes your body feel unsafe and an unsafe body will never lose weight whether you're eating a salad or whether you're eating a burger. If you are having anxiety around eating, it doesn't. the salad's not going to be good for you. If you berate, like beating yourself up that you were eating too much salad and, and don't eat the salad dressing because the salad dressing is that many calories, then all of a sudden there's this negative experience in the body and that causes stress and stress causes your health to shut down. Everything below the jaw shut down and fight or flight with your nervous system. So I think that it's part of that web. And therefore, it's not something that I work with or would very easily prescribe. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I I really love this theme of trust, right? And trusting yourself. And Mm. I love when you talked about that Monday diet, that fresh start. Mm. And I connect this with movement as well, right? We go into Mm. the week. Okay, I'm going to exercise four, four days this week. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. we, we miss our first workout and then we beat ourselves up mentally. And then we write off, we say, okay, what's the point? I'm, I'm just going to miss the rest of my workouts for the week. And then I'm going to restart next Monday, On my, next, next, Monday, next week's exactly. going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> next week's going to be better. And we live in the cycle of more, better, different, and always in the future. And it debilitates us from actually doing anything in the present. And I think that there's a strong correlation here between the movement and the food is that consistency is being able to say to myself can I do the best every single day in every decision that I make and can I find value in even 10 minutes if I can spend 10 minutes in the kitchen or just 10 minutes doing uh, one of your incredible workouts which I'm so obsessed with on your Instagram but you know doing one of your your smaller exercises then I'm actually I'm doing something constructive. And although it's small, it matters. It's this all or nothing approach, which is diet culture. You're either failing or you're succeeding. You're either fat or you're thin. You're either celebrated or you're not. It's black and white thinking. And black and white thinking means that you're either wrong or you're right. There's no in between. And as far as I've discovered, life is this beautiful in between that some days all I'm going to be able to do is one healthy meal out of call it the three, maybe four that you eat in a day. Some days I'm going to be able to do three out of four. Some days I'm going to nail it and I'm going to feel so proud of myself. Other days I'm going to be really stressed. And I'm going to skip lunch because my meeting fell over that time and I did the best that I could, but I didn't eat lunch and that's okay. Can I meet myself there with compassion and with this beautiful softness that is the getting healthy 
journey, you're not going to punish yourself into better decisions. You're not going to beat yourself into better decisions. So practicing that celebration, the gray, the in-between, which also really connects so strongly to the feminine. The feminine is the healer. She's the softness. She's the maternal. She's the, the, the flow. There's no rigidity around it. And I think that if we can remove this rigidity around exercise and nutrition, we can just allow this abundance and excitement to flow in and go, you know what? I'm just going to give it my best shot. And if my best looks like just 10 minutes or 20 minutes of walking and three sit-ups, then that's what I did today. Three more sit-ups than you would have done yesterday or, you know, one plate of food healthier than you would have eaten. But we, we, we focus on what's not working and we focus on those negative feedback loops. And I'm such a big believer in breaking them because it, mm-hmm. it's so freeing to celebrate yourself rather than to, to punish yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, I love what you said. I have to quote you. You said life is beautiful in between. And Mm. I myself struggled for the longest time of this all or nothing mindset. Right. And, and many of my clients do as well. Like you said, we're either succeeding or we're failing. And a lot of the time Mm. we're only, only focused on our failures right? Which is why it's, I always encourage to, uh, encourage women to celebrate their wins weekly. And if not daily, like what is one thing you're daily every day? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's such a, it's such a powerful question. You know, uh, we, I use the question when last were you proud of yourself? And I think that that's a really one to sit with. Yeah. That makes me think actually of a client I had on our uh, coaching call. And I said, when I asked her that exact question, when is the last time you even told yourself you were proud of yourself? And she couldn't even remember the last time. Like it just blew her mind (laughs) because we're not used to speaking to ourselves this way. No, we're not. And the conditioning is so deep. You know, this work is not easy. That's why they call it doing the work, right? Self-work is work. It's not not work. It's it's tough. It's tough to go into your conditioning, into your deep-seated beliefs, into your um, you know inherited beliefs, into your values, into really unpacking it and going. The only person that can create the life that I want is me, and that that creates this moment of radical responsibility, of really designing it the way that you want it because you've only got one, and the only person that's going to live it and do it the way that you want it is you. So if you are unhappy with the way that food is making you feel, you have the power to change it. If you are unhappy with your fitness levels, you have the power to change that, but you're not going to change it by telling yourself that you're a loser because you didn't go for an hour. You only went for a half an hour. Yeah, that's so powerful. So then I guess too, which leads perfectly in. So for those listeners who are, struggling right now or who might be really struggling with their nutrition currently what are some things you would want to share with them or what are some actions that they could maybe take to create or even take that first step towards creating a healthier relationship with food and even being mindful of what their self-talk might sound like Mm. so I mean the number one practice in which I rest is coming home into your body right and that's really your breath so you know, even if you're listening out there right now, now's such a beautiful time to just sit back in your chair, close your eyes and 
feel your two feet on the ground, pop your feet on the ground. You can rest your hands in your lap. And just take a moment to just take a deep breath in through your nose and let it out your mouth. You can do that again. Relaxing the shoulders and just sigh it out. One more deep breath in through the nose. And let it all out. So the number one way in which I work is to connect to your breath. Because the minute you make room to breathe, you pull yourself present in your body, you down-regulate, you feel better, you manage stress, you come back into your body and you regulate your nervous system. And when you're regulated, you actually naturally will make the healthier decision. You know, you know fried foods and greasy donuts and sugary things and processed things aren't good for you. You know, you know it. You're, the people listening out there, you're smart people. You've got this. You've built a beautiful life filled with abundance that actually allows you to listen to a podcast. So, so there's this opportunity of if you give yourself the benefit of the doubt and just connect to your breath, what you do is you create space. Space between you and it, whatever it is. That's the mindfulness practice. Mindfulness is the tool that you use to create space in your nervous system to help you alter your perception. So if you're connecting to your breath, slowing down, and allowing yourself space to hear yourself, you'll probably make the healthier decision. And if you're not, ask yourself why. Get curious around. The second thing after connecting to your breath is to get curious around your relationship with yourself and your relationship with your food without judgment and wanting to change it and needing to get a result. Just get curious. Just ask yourself, what's going on there? What is my relationship with myself like? How am I feeling in my body? What is my relationship to food like? What is my experience of food? And when you ask the questions, you diffuse the energy. And when you ask the questions and get curious, the beautiful natural answers generally will come to you. And if they don't, there's beautiful resources out there, which we're going to share after this podcast. My website's available. There's so many abundant, beautiful resources out there. I found them. You've just got to know which questions to ask. How do I eat for energy? How do I eat for hormonal health? How do I sleep better how do i move better these are all questions that you can you can ask the internet just so powerful it's this beautiful resource at your fingertips rather than scrolling for hours mindlessly on social media go down a rabbit hole and explore a topic that might make you feel better and give you answers so curiosity and breath are very important in this journey but then starting at a good place jada i would say the number one place is the kitchen what is, what is the state of your kitchen? The kitchen is such a hall of mirrors. Your kitchen a mess? Are your cupboards just shoved full of things? Is your fridge disorganized? Some expired stuff, not some expired stuff. Things in a packet, all the sauces in the door. The sauces in the door, some of them have expired. What, what is actually going on in the kitchen? Because this is the heart of the home. It's the space in which you're going to go and make your nourishment. So for me, 
you know, and I do it with my clients. I call it the kitchen, the kitchen cleanse, where you're actually able to go into your kitchen, clean out your cupboards, wipe them down, get beautiful glass jars, put your grains, your nuts, your seeds into glass jars, make it a space that you're proud of, that's pretty, that you want to go into and cook. Because the, the hard truth of it all is if you want to take control of your health, you have to take control of your kitchen and you have to fall in love with cooking. And if you don't want to cook long, find shorter recipes, but you've got to fall in love with making yourself beautiful, nutrient, high vibrational food, nutrient dense food, you know, and that, that happens in the kitchen, that magic happens in the kitchen. So you don't have to be the world's strongest cook, but the willingness to try is a hell of an asset that you're going to want on your side. So I would recommend, like I said, come back to your breath, slow down, check in with yourself, get curious around your relationship with food and then fall in love with your kitchen and start making yourself real whole food recipes. There's so many incredible resources out there. Number one, I would recommend obviously is my book. My books, you know, is to, to fall in love with cooking because when you take the time to really find out what will nourish you and to truly connect with it, when you put that energy in there, it's just going to come back twofold. And who better to deserve a beautiful meal? Who better to deserve a yummy, delicious, healthy meal than yourself? And I do know that my books definitely dispel this myth of it's rabbit food and it's going to taste bland. That is not the truth. Healthy eating is incredibly delicious. I will blow your mind with the recipes in the book that you, you, you won't believe the flavors that come out, of, uh, come out of the food. And that's that mind shift, that mindset shift, right? Is that healthy eating is abundance. It's colorful. It's delicious. It's flavorsome. It's, it's so good. But you got to fall in love with cooking yourself food. So where's a good place to start is in your kitchen. Get curious in your kitchen and, and start falling in love with it. And that, that journey could look like starting with the most basic recipes to, to really lengthy, beautiful cooks on a Sunday. Put on good music. Get your loved one into the kitchen with you. Try a new recipe because food, food's the fuel. It's the medicine. It's the solution. It's not the problem. And if you make it with your love and good intention in place, it's only going to get better. And before you know it, there could be a whole different you on the other side of this experience. So beautifully said. I love the idea of this kitchen cleanse. That makes me want to mm. go clean, clean my kitchen. <laughs> but it does. It's, it seems, it seems so simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, like it seems so simple, but it, I think is so overlooked. Like I for sure have expired sauces in, in my fridge, I'm sure. And if, so and if, if we powerful. read the ingredients and the sauces, we'll be quite shocked at what's actually in them. So there's this, this beautiful, and if, you know, listeners are out there, go Google healthy fridge inspiration. Go look at what these fridges look like. They, they don't have bottles and packets and things shoved in them they're clean and you know a bowl of beautiful apples and, and it's just it inspires nobody opens a fridge here's the kicker nobody opens a fridge that has packets in it and expired stuff in it and processed stuff in it and goes oh yay this looks exciting and I feel so stimulated to cook something beautiful 
everybody just goes, oh, whatever, what's the easiest? Let's, I'll sacrifice my health for the convenience. But eventually you sacrifice it enough and you're really going to find yourself in trouble, right? So set your fridge up to succeed. Set yourself up to succeed in your health journey. You know, get the beautiful vegetables. Throw out the things that aren't good for you. Or, you know, financially, if it works better, finish the food that's not good for you and then just don't buy it again. Just buy something better because this is the kicker. You can have your cake and eat it. My book is filled with the most decadent chocolate, yummy cakes, bakes, all the deliciousness. You don't have to sacrifice that. You're actually going to be able to reframe what you call a treat. It's not treating yourself eating mass-produced dairy ice cream that's laced with sugar and chemicals. It's not a treat, that's inflammation. Unless you think inflammation is a treat, and it's not. So what actually offers you the reframe there is if I make a beautiful, uh, you know, coconut cream-based superfood cacao, maple syrup, smoky, dark chocolate with a crack of salt ice cream, now we're talking, that's a treat because it's real whole food and my body's going to feel great after I eat it. And I'm not going to feel guilty. That's a treat. Treating yourself does not mean I'm going to end up feeling guilty, which you will if you're eating the garbage food, because you know the garbage food isn't good for you. So it's about really reframing it and going, if I take control of my kitchen and I bring in these basic principles of the food that I spoke about earlier, and I just try these new recipes and I'm compassionate with myself, I'm going to start eating better. And when I eat better, I feel better. And when you feel better, you're going to want to do more of what makes you feel good because you feel good. And feeling good is the best. It's incredible. I can't believe how broken I felt as a human being that was sluggish, indigestion, heartburn, disconnected from my emotions, disconnected from myself, constantly berating myself, anxious around food, anxious around, uh, uh, you know, any form of food, even a freaking salad. It was insane. And now I'm so happy and it feels good and I feel excited and I want to cook and I want to exercise and I want to move and I, I want to celebrate my life just because I changed the way I ate and what I ate. And, and that, oh. that is a gift that every human deserves. You are just so inspiring. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you got to be on the podcast today. And I, <laughs> I really, Thank I really you. want to talk, talk about your new your wholesome cookbook. I, I just ordered it, pre-ordered it. And I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited. I can't believe it's going to be all and the way overseas. <laughs> I know. So your, so your new cookbooks being launched across North America, Canada, the UK. And do you want to just yeah. talk a little bit about, about this cookbook in particular? Yes. Yeah, so this cookbook is called Wholesome Bowls food for mind body and soul it is the way I ate myself to good health it is my heart and my sleeve like I said earlier I photographed it I recipe developed it I styled it and I created this as the bible that I wanted people to go Mel I don't know where to begin and I say begin here this is the book. It's easy. It's accessible ingredients. It's what you'll find at your local grocer or your local farmer's market. It's not complicated. It's, it's simple. And the best part is, is that everything is in a bowl. So I found a bowl very comforting to eat off 
you know, if I'm cooking for myself or cooking for friends, there's just this, this, this heartiness that comes with food in a bowl. So all the recipes are in a bowl because I want people to leave feeling yum, satisfied, deliciousness in their bodies, not this sort of lack mindset around food. So everything's in a bowl. It's all the nutrition that you need in one bowl. Um, it's a deliciously simple concept. And the book is available um, from June. Now we're going to be speaking about, of course, the exciting um, offer that we've got for, for you guys out there that are listening. But this is the book that's going to teach you how to fall in love with cooking. It's the book that's going to help you heal your relationship with food. That, And I know that if you take the time to get to know your body, and if you treat it with respect and enjoy real fresh foods that fill you, you will truly leave feeling energized and you can rediscover your food happiness and, and cook your way to joy. I'm so excited. And I, what's funny too, I think is when we first connected on Instagram, one of my first messages to you, I, I was like, I need you in my life. <laughs> I need more plants <laughs> in my life. So this bowl, I love everything bowls also. So it sounds absolutely perfect. And I do want to share with listeners a, a promotion that um, they can have access to. We're going to attach the link, but using, uh, and then we'll give them the code as well. So they can have 20% off. Is that correct? Yeah, with that's that correct. So We'll, we'll share the, the code, which is wholesome20, and we'll share the link. And for the month of March, if you go onto the pre-order list with that discount code, you will receive 20% off to ship anywhere in the world, which is so exciting. And um, of course, the book, like we said, is launching UK, Canada, and US, but you can order this book from anywhere in the world. So that's the really exciting part is that you'll actually have me in your kitchen, Jada. This, this is how you have a little bit of me with you in the kitchen. I can't wait. I'm going to send you a selfie once I get my book. Exactly. And We're going to check your food photography. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, maybe not my food photography. <laughs> so, so for listeners who do really want to continue learning more and connecting, where would be some of the best places to connect with you? And we'll definitely leave a bunch of um, info in the show notes with links, but where, what would be easiest for you? The best way to connect with me is really on Instagram. I'm generally the most active there. And um, my Instagram handle is Melissa and um, one L double S and then a double underscore and then Delport. And um, so my Instagram is really the best place, but I've got my website, I've got my email list um, and you can email me and really also just slide into my DM. I love speaking and connecting with my community. I find so much value in it and I'm there to answer questions and I'm constantly sharing um, advice with people. And yeah, I think the best place would be those platforms. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I think what's really fun too, is that you and I have talked about collaborating in some exciting way. We're still exploring what that could look like, but just bringing both of our expertise with, you know, nutrition and movement together. So I want to kind of 
bring a little bit of tease to our listeners to see if that's something that they would be interested in in learning more about or hearing about. So if you're listening to this episode, feel free to message me or Melissa and just say, I listened to the episode and it was amazing. And you two need to collaborate. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, the, the, the beautiful thing is, is that I feel our puzzle pieces click together so well, you know, with movement and food, movement is what moves the energy. Food is what creates it. They, the yin and the yang on this health journey. And we, yeah, if you're out there, you really love, love the idea of, of us doing more together. We're excited to do more together and we'd love to hear from, from everybody. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to be here today, Melissa. I'm blown away by the knowledge that you've shared with us. And I just know that every listener is leaving with so many incredible takeaways. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been such a treat and I look forward to all the exciting things to come. Thank you so much, Melissa, and thank you for taking the time to join us today. And all of Melissa's information will be listed below in the show notes, so don't hesitate to connect with her. She's so lovely, and I am so grateful for you, and I hope that you have a gorgeous goddess day.